my friends, the great experiment. Down on the Lord, thanks, thanks. Hit it, trick, trick. Would you look at that? The greatest trick, trick. And you people, you're all astronauts. Some kind of star trick, trick. Welcome to Greatest Trek. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. It's a marathon and not a sprint this week. And uh, the finish line is just ahead. The fifth of five episodes we're recording. But why does it feel both like a sprint and a marathon? Because you're sick, buddy. I'm getting both kinds of tired. Yeah. Bofa kinds of tired. Yeah. As it so often happens, we're rarely sick at the same time. It's often yeah. sequential. I'm hoping I dodge it next week because we're going back out on tour. Uh, inshallah, you will not get this. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's been a bit of a drag, but uh, I'm hoping I'm healed up by the time we're out back on the road. I hope the healing waters of Lake Greatest Trek <laughs> are able to fix you right up, as is often the case. People are going to be just so tired of a Marin about Ben feeling not good <laughs> by the time this one comes out. Just thread after thread of, is Ben okay on all the social medias? <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> ben, I got something mailed to me from a mystery mailer. A mystery friend of DeSoto mailer? Well, that's just it. I don't know who sent it. I may never (laughs) know who sent it, but I opened up the box. But I did not open up the inner box because I thought maybe I would do that with you. Oh, what's in the box? What's in the box? Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Starfleet emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. Check out what I got here. Whoa. I got Khan's necklace from the Wrath of Khan, a limited edition prop replica. Somebody sent this to your house? Somebody sent this to my house. How did they get your address? This is what I'm saying. I think this may be a uh, a real life friend. Yeah. Versus an FOD friend. But uh, I thought I might open it on the show yeah, to show you what it's about. This is not a toy the box says. Do you want to take your shirt off first so that it can lay against your bare chest the way it was meant to? I thought a lot about whether or not I'd go shirtless for (laughs) display purposes. (laughs) Stay tuned for what I decide on doing at the end. Let's get into this thing. Let's let's do a box opening on Greatest Trek. Wow. And there's no note in, in the outer box? No, there was nothing in the outer box. It was like cardboard box, packing material, this box inside. It looks mint. Oh, it's mint. It's it's not used. It's not a factory second. Wow. It's the real thing. It's not going to explode with glitter when you open that thing? God, that would suck so fucking bad. Ah. Now you got me not excited to open this. <laughs> but I'm gonna. Yeah, gotta do it. All right. Look at how... I mean, this is like... This is sophisticated box technology oh, here. Oh, yeah. That's really, that's really beautiful. Have we sunk to doing unboxing videos? Is that what we're doing right now? You open up the flurp. Okay. I haven't opened up the flap yet. We're going to all see together what's inside. Blackness. 
Hey, buddy. <laughs> What's up? Hey, hey, Ricardo, how you doing? <laughs> oh God, that chest! All right, here's a uh, here's the big reveal. Wow. <laughs> That is technological. Look at that thing. Amazing. Does it have like batteries and light up and stuff? I don't feel like Khan's did. It wasn't a light up chest necklace, was it? Khan's distinctive prop necklace incorporated a number of real world electronic components. <laughs> its centerpiece was a broken Federation insignia buckle. Uh huh. Factory Entertainment team studied surviving original props with reference in the Paramount Pictures archive. Wow. They painstakingly identified each of the components used and carefully duplicated them in 3D models. Uh. Due to the rarity and in some cases the fragility of actual vintage electrical components, these parts were recreated in solid metal on the replica. Wow. Oh, so that's interesting. There's like wires and stuff. Yeah. But according to what they're saying, this is metal because metal is strong. Yeah. It's like those people that make like the Han Solo edition blaster by buying like the specific German camera that the prop department busted apart and used all the pieces of to make it. You know what's interesting about this that I hadn't recognized from the actual screen used item was this piece of leather. Oh yeah. Behind it that goes between the wearer yeah. and the sophisticated electronic components. Keep your uh, chest hairs from getting pinched in between little wires and stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, everyone wants to see this. <laughs> you look great, buddy. <laughs> see, uh, I don't think there's any way this could go on YouTube after that. <laughs> yeah, I think we'd this get is, demonetized. Uh, this is nudity. Yeah. You know what? I think it's important that there's the leather underneath it. I think this would be very uncomfortable without it. Yeah. I like that um, Khan was living on SETI Alpha 5 and then, you know, a, a cataclysmic orbital situation gave it the weather of SETI Alpha 6. Uh-huh. And despite the fact that he was, like, living in a perpetual sandstorm among only his people, he really kept his fashion sense alive, you know? <laughs> He's kind of smiling. Uh, oh, he's got he's got a gum smile. Like. <laughs> yeah, Khan was the kind of guy that would like it, you know, at halftime at the soccer game would take the orange wedge and do orange peel teeth. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's super fun at a soccer game. Yeah. Listen, whoever sent me this and you know, if you're a real friend of mine, you probably don't listen to the show. <laughs> You'll probably never hear this. But this is amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad to have it in my possession. I'm proud to wear it. I'll never take it off. Factory Entertainment reveals Star Trek II The Wrath. This is very new. It came, I'm, I'm reading a Trek Core article mm -hmm. announcing the existence of this thing from June 20th, 2023. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, this is a limited edition of 1,864 of these. I got 603. Wow. This is not a cheap uh, item. Whoever sent this to you really cares about you, big time. Got that? Pretty neat. Good for you. I'm gonna buddy. wear this to the Prana Cabana. 
next year. Oh, I'll just wear the other half of our Star Trek friendship necklace and uh, and be sad. <laughs> All right, that's probably all that's good for video this time around. If you're watching the video on YouTube, switch over to the episode of the show today. It's Greatest Trek. It's about Star Trek Lower Deck Season 4, Episode 4. Something borrowed, something green. You know the greatest danger facing us is an irrational fear of the unknown. Let's fly. Uncertainty. Adam, we've been uh, spending a lot of time this season visiting the lower decks of different kinds of ships than the Federation. Just before they explode. Yeah, just before they they all die. We get to see what it's like to be lower decks on an Orion ship in this one. And Mm -hmm. uh, if you are low on uh, the org chart on an Orion ship, you just sort the loot. Do they call it loot or plunder? I forget. I mean, it seems like plunder, but I would love this job. Like the sorting floor of mm-hmm. a pirate ship, yeah, going through all the cool shit. That's why when you worked in like promotions and and like concert stuff, you were the guy that they would give the M and M's bowl task, take all the brown ones out of the bowl. I would be so good at that. <laughs> It'd be the best job for me. You'd never get a brown M M&M and M in that bowl. This Orion ship seems fun, right? It's got a lot of the grit and grime of a Klingon ship, but it's a lot hornier. The last time I recall being on an Orion ship, it was in that episode of Strange New Worlds with the wheel, the big wooden wheel, the helm, oh, yeah. as some people call it. That's the one where Pike gets one over on its dumb captain. <laughs> and that seems like uh, a crew without the sort of joy that this one has. This seems like a great crew. I was sad to see them murdered. Yeah, they run afoul of this tilt ship again. Uh, yeah. They think they're going to pirate it, and boy, are they wrong. Yeah, the pirate... Peg leg is on the other chew, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like we spent a little bit longer with the vaporization part of the sequence this time. It's really brutal watching like the captain and first officer's birdies go to silhouette and get kind of like flayed away. It looks like a very Dick Valet-like type of destruction here of these yeah. birdies. Yeah. This is not a painless way to go. And uh, no ginger Jesus to mourn these people. Yeah. After the theme, Tendi has finished up some bullshit menial task. Well, Mariner and T. Lynn explain that uh, finishing a job is actually one of the best parts of the promotions that they got. Yeah. Sometimes there isn't a next thing to do. I have no idea what that feels like. I mean, this is why I've been pushing for you to be... (laughs) given a half-pip upgrade for a long time, Adam. What if you had time to spend with your PlayStation 5 or your dog or your wife? It'd be amazing. Yeah. One day I hope to get that (laughs) half-pip. But that is not today. And it is not this month or this year. What are you doing all the time? (laughs) What what are you filling your time with that isn't relaxation? It's a great question. I don't know. I have no idea. I should do a, a journal, shouldn't I? That'd be good, yeah. Or, or like get one of those uh, paper schedule things with the hour by hour. Mm. Yeah, and then you could fill your time up with filling that thing out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every line is filling out the journal. <laughs> Maybe that would give me some useful insight into uh, where my time seems to leak out. Maybe. Probably not. Yeah, I doubt it. 
they're getting ready to do something fun when the captain comes down and grants Tendi surprise leave to go to her sister's wedding. Doesn't seem like Tendi and her sister have a great relationship if this is coming as a surprise away mission from the captain. I don't love that you can't have private conversations with family members without them going through the captain in this way. Like, Tendi clearly did not want to go to this wedding, does not want to go to this wedding, will not go to this wedding. (laughs) And yet, because the message is sent through Freeman, like, she has to confront the invitation directly and publicly. Yeah. That didn't seem right. Well, it comes as a sort of diplomatic obligation because the Federation wants to stay on good terms with the Orions post the disappearance of an Orion ship, which I have to think is the one that we saw vaporized at the beginning of the episode. Wouldn't that suck to be made to hang out with people because work obligates you to do it? (laughs) I would hate that feeling. (laughs) I would look for almost any reason to stop working with them. (laughs) I feel like I'm being subtweeted again. (laughs) No way. Not a chance. So like the combination of public repudiation, like Mariner and T. Lynn are like, oh, you got to go. Not only that, you got to take us. But Freeman being the captain, thinking it's going to be good for relations or whatever, like that combination has forced Tendi into being okay with something that she wouldn't have ordinarily done. T. Lynn is very curious about Orion culture and wants to write a report on it for Vulcan High Command, and Mariner's just sick of Boimler and Rutherford's bullshit, so she wants to go too. We got a girl's trip. I got drugs in my booty. How positive were you that this was going to be the part of Wet Hot American Summer where they go into the city <laughs> and T-Lynn goes to the Orion homeworld and it's just a fucking fuck fest. <laughs> They're all strung out and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I just love going to Orion. Even for an hour. Fingers crossed that that does happen eventually. Meanwhile, we check in with Brotherford, which is the celebrity name of the two new roommates, whose relationship is under more strain than it initially might seem. They get along great about just about everything, but their joint custody of this bonsai That's bone. causes a really big argument because uh, they're both kind of helicopter bonsai parents, right? Mm, yeah. Is a bonsai like a three-pronged dagger that you dual wield in a ninja context? Oh, and yeah. It's made, and it's made out of bone? I like that. <laughs> That's nice wordplay. What do they call it? Lil Bone? Lil Boney? <laughs> Lil Boney was my uh, rap name in middle school. Yeah. So, yeah, they're fighting over this spray bottle. And before we get any resolution on the big spray bottle conflict, we cut away to a shuttlecraft coming into Orion orbit, descending through the clouds. And boy, Orion seems a lot less piratey than I was expecting. I was expecting a lot more like jollyness and uh, like wenchery. Yeah, that's not really the vibe. It's very like 
genteel looking like it, it's like estates and, and like you know really manicured gardens and stuff like that there's nary a johnny depp to be seen yeah instead it's more downton tendy yeah yeah which is why our parents would love this episode oh god they sure would yeah the costumes <laughs> the tension between classes coming to masterpiece theater lower decks a Star Trek cartoon with swear words in it. <laughs> we get to meet uh, Tendi's parents. I was so curious about what they'd be like. This is Shona and Baert. <laughs> yeah. The warrior queen, Shona. They get like sedan chaired into the grounds and meet the parents. And parents are, you know, excited to see Tendi, excited to get some crap out of their garage. But they are sad and worried about Erica. Tendi's mm-hmm. sister, who is the bride-to-be who has been abducted, not during the part of the run-up to the wedding when you uh, traditionally get abducted on Orion. Yeah. A lot of fun traditions on Orion. Tradition! Tradition! Because Erica's been kidnapped, it is also a tradition that it's Tendi's job to rescue her. So that's what the gang is going to do in this A story. They learn that on Orion, Devana is considered a prime and that this is a job that falls to her. She's a little bit vague about what that means. I was thinking like, man, so they've been on this planet probably like a couple hours at this point, right? Yeah, they just got there. The The engines on the shuttle are still warm. But, uh, you know, a, a noticeable amount of time. And we cut back to the Cerritos at Boimler and Rutherford still playing tug of war with the mister bottle that they wanted to use to feed the bonsai tree water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quite a struggle, an epic struggle. Yeah. I'm not sure this roommate arrangement's going to last for these two. This is like a, a family guy style chicken fight that just spills <laughs> from room to room. Yeah. Fighting over this bottle. Yeah. It spills into the holodeck because they've got a holodeck tea time and, um, this is this is the holodeck program of my nightmares, Adam. Why, Ben? <laughs> this is my favorite part of the episode. Oh fuck! Ugh. I found this right enjoyable. I did not did not care for. You didn't care for this super hot Twain on Twain action? Yeah, yeah. They they go Twain to Twain. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, like the end of Requiem for a Dream in this moment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty rough. Keith David's like, I know the seersucker suits are pretty, baby, <laughs> but I didn't take him out for air. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> are there enough Requiem for a Dream quotes in our podcasts? I think it's time to bump those numbers up. I saw Requiem for a Dream once in the theaters, and I've never seen it since. Uh, I plan on keeping it that way, so I can't remember any quotes but the one. I read a film paper about that movie this week. Really? Coincidentally, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Really like that movie. Were you, like, hanging out on a college campus or something? What was going on that you were reading a film paper? These things just come to me. Like huh. like an academic paper about Requiem for a Dream. Like someone posted it somewhere and I read it. Huh. I'm going to read a paper like that. And you don't have time for Nintendo. I don't know where the time goes, man. <laughs> I really don't. 
It's very perplexing. <laughs> very perplexing indeed. Oh, fuck. God damn it. You can't do that every time my voice goes into a slightly higher register. <laughs> the greatest trick is yet to come. Back on Orion, Tendi Mariner and Teelin arrive at the club, like D apostrophe club. Yeah. And every head turns to notice Tendi. Every screw into the skulled head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She can reputation her way into a nightclub if she doesn't yeah. want to slay her way in. To me, this was like the centerpiece scene of the episode because we learned Tendi has a rival, and this rival sets up a drinking game immediately <laughs> upon running into her. Drinking contest! You and I watched these episodes a couple times before recording, but I had to watch this part multiple times because I could not pay attention to what they were saying because this game is so great. <laughs> I, I was distracted completely by how this game works. It's like one of those creative ideas that's so good, it actually cripples the scene that it occurs in. <laughs> like, is the thing where if you drink the shot and you cough or something, your hand gets trapped and bitten by the bug? Or like, how does your hand get trapped and bitten by the bug? I couldn't quite get why she did it wrong. Did you need to do it faster? Yeah, I think it's about timing. I think it's about uh -huh. being able to take the shot. Yeah. And not miss your mouth or lose a droplet or whatever. Tendi, how are you so good at the murder bug drinking game? There are a lot of scary bugs in the Star Trek universe. I think that much is clear. Yeah. It's weird. This bug, they actually 3D printed the model of it just to get a sense of what it would look like. So that I think like the artists wanted to draw something from real life. And that model has already gone up for auction and been sold. Oh, wow. Even though a couple of the limbs fell off uh, in uh -huh. between production of this episode and the auction, it did sell. And I saw that Garrett Wong was actually the winning bidder. <sighs> Wouldn't you know it? <laughs> Are these private auctions for Garrett Wong or what? Yeah, because it's like nobody even would know what this was, you know? Like Gosh. we're seeing this episode before it airs publicly. It is so frustrating. And we, we didn't even get to take a crack at this auction? That sucks. I watched the scene so many times. I still don't know what they were talking about, but my takeaway was that like something's up with Erica, and uh, <laughs> Tendi shows her rival some mercy by saving her life uh, and leaves. It, like, did, what did I miss here? Uh, yeah, basically that like this is Madam G, the proprietor of the club. Mm -hmm. She knifes Mariner in the shoulder. <laughs> This hole gets a lot of action this episode, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hole is really the town bicycle, but for knives. <laughs> That's going to make a great title. <laughs> <laughs> what the madame reveals is that this dude, Naya Al, still holds a candle for De Erica and is probably the culprit of the De Erica abduction. Do you think that is a name that sort of said slowlier? Uh, is like night owl, like Naal. Yeah. yeah, it got pronounced differently by a couple of different characters. Like, I feel like some people were saying Naya all, and some were just saying Nial. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I wrote it down as N-A-Y-A apostrophe A-L, but I have mm. no idea. I wrote N-A apostrophe O-W-L. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mark Brotherfordane mm. mm-hmm. has gotten back to being good buddies. The twin twain twins. <laughs> Back at it once again. Best friends once again. It turns out if you're in a disagreement with one of your best friends, it might help to speak a little twain speak, wouldn't you say? Would not help. Would not help. In no context outside of this one would it help. Let's just pretend you and I are fighting, Ben. Uh, Uh, Ben and Adam are fighting. Pretend like. Mm. And and what if I was like, uh, hello? Makes, it, Why I'm, are we fighting? I'm madder at you now than I was before you started doing that. I have this pitcher of julep. I'm going to pour it all over your fucking white suit, you freak. Why don't you like to play with me? <laughs> Absolutely nothing happens in this scene. Yeah. Except the suggestion that Rutherford and Boimler are friends again through the power of Mark Twain impressions before Ransom calls them to the bridge yeah. for real work. They got to go up and, and, and help out. It's a good thing, too, because Ransom stops the Twain on Twain fuck fest that, you know, <laughs> is going to happen at the end of this scene. Yeah. Whichever ensign has to clean out the holodeck after is not going to find green liquid sloshing around in those tanks. Let me tell you. There's not just the one big paddle wheel on this boat. <laughs> There's a whole device. <laughs> Designed by Leonardo da Vinci on board. <laughs> Maravilloso. When we were doing our uh, meet and greet after the London show, there was a, a friend of DeSoto in line who'd made a custom t-shirt that was the Leonardo da Vinci from Lower Decks based on the Leonardo da Vinci from Voyager. And it was a clockwork sex machine shirt in the style of the clockwork orange logo, but with Leonardo da Vinci. It was like... Man, what a specific shirt that is. <laughs> I'm almost positive that that person allowed us to use it for the store. Yeah. In my mind, I took a picture of us together. Let's post it when we post the show. I think people would really like this t-shirt for sure. Could we get away with putting that in the store? I mean, that's like a copywritten character, you know? I mean, you'd have to cartoonify Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. In yeah. like the Lower Decks art style. No, but that's what it was. It, I mean, and we saw Leonardo da Vinci in the Lower Decks art style in the show. Right. But I'm saying like in the greatest Trek art style of Lower Decks art style ah. and so forth. You yeah. know, like copy of a copy. They would be distinct <laughs> okay. is what I'm saying. For legal purposes, they would be very, very distinct. It's a parody. Why you can't bring legal proceedings onto me? God fucking damn it. (laughs) I'm just a simple author. In a pheromone-fueled hump dungeon, Tendi, Mariner, and Teelin continue their search for Tendi's sister. And uh, this is where they come across Nayal. He's a real moanhead, it turns out. And... uh, (laughs) He is gyrating his hips suggestively in one of those like birdcage, like go-go platforms like you see in a 
corny ass nightclub from the 90s. Yeah, he's shaking his birdie in the birdcage. He is aesthetically pleasing. How much money did you lose betting that you would see a big black bar like we saw on Boimler's Gape? Yeah, yeah. In this scene. I thought for sure we'd see hard nudity here. I did too. I don't know why they held back. Maybe they just don't want that to be like a joke that they like get fucked out too bad for this show. Do you think that they got like in real trouble for that? <laughs> no, I don't. I think that episode would have been pulled if they'd gotten in real trouble and it has not been as far as that I know. That's a great moment. One of my favorite moments in all of Star Trek. <laughs> we meet Ingrida and we learn a little something about pheromones and Orions because yeah. the word in the Federation that has gone around is that uh, the pheromone thing is a bit, it's a lie that was used to kind of cover up a embarrassing thing that happened to a certain oversexed Starfleet captain getting in mm -hmm. the sway of Orions. It's not really a thing. Turns out that some Orion women have the moans and others don't. Not all Orion women. Yeah. So Tendi is in the, in the no pheromones camp, but she is irresistible to gentlemen. I really got Ursula from The Little Mermaid vibes from Ingria. Relax, have a drink, get lascivious. She really had that kind of energy, but like Tendi has counter pheromones. Yeah. And she was kind of blurping them in the air and uh, it gets all the henches to stand down. Yeah. We also get that moment where Teelin is like a little bit snipey to Ingrida and Mariner catches the knife that was meant for Teelin. Oh, what are the odds? Do you think it hurts more when a dagger goes into a previous dagger's hole? Or is it like less? Is it like, oh yeah, I already had a wound there, so. It's gotta be less, right? Because shock. Right. Yeah, your system's probably like... uh Probably doing something, right? To like make it less painful? Just do systems do that? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Anne-Marie Siegel's going to have to weigh in on this one. <laughs> I love that the knife is thrown with such force that it takes Mariner to the ground every time. <laughs> I think that's a really fun detail. People really toss knives around willy-nilly on Orion. Yeah. Yeah. Nayal admits to having the hots for to Erica and being the sort of person that follows her around from time to time. And the last time you saw her was in a place they know to be the ship graveyard. Yeah. Couldn't have called it the Boneyard? No. No, the Boneyard is like the name of a club. Or, or the Ryan. name of an area with lots of bonsai trees. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the Boneyard is the name of a restaurant on planet Moopsie? Mm. <laughs> We need to score a lot of black fast. Licensed businessmen. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, 
smoothies, grab and go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscapes.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Hi, Adam Pranica here for Podshop.biz, the easy way to dress, drink, and decorate virtually anything fast with embarrassment that lasts. Podshop.biz is not a cult. And it's not a multi-level marketing scheme. It's a supercharged carousel of crap spinning at a high rate of speed for all your dorky needs. Ordinary web stores are a mess, but with Podshop.biz, you'll find products from all of our shows referring to many of our most popular bits. Shirts, glasses, and bags from other websites can damage your mood, but not with Podshop.biz. Our nerdy, jokey bullshit will rebuild your damaged attitude and turn you into a person with riz. Turn your laptop from off the shelf to off the hook with a sticker. Make pool time cool time with our line of hilarious swimwear. And stop raw-dogging your smartphone. Strap it up with the choice of designs that'll have you go from saying hello to hello. But that's not all. At podshop.biz, you can choose from the Brenner Information Systems Collection, the Uxbridge Shimoda Corporate Collection, this old enterprise, logos for Greatest Generation and Greatest Trek, and more. Order now at podshop.biz. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Back on the Cerritos Bridge, Kokar is angry. He's pissed about sharing the space around a nebular that both ships want to scan. And Freeman hangs up the FaceTime and tries to figure out how to get joint sensor custody of this thing when Boimler and Rutherford have an idea of how to make them stop fighting. What's the best way to do diplomacy? What's a surefire way to not piss one person off a ton? Yeah. What's a way to make it fun and funny every single time? We cut over to the holodeck to find out. I was thinking, give this dude a a hockey puck of red sustenance. It took me until the end of the episode to recognize what kind of alien this guy was. This is a Chalnath. This is from that Allegiance episode of TNG. Yeah, he couldn't eat the hockey pucks. I am kind of alien racist about screamy aliens <laughs> like this guy. Like yeah. he's just an angry screamer guy. I think I at first thought maybe he was the kind of alien that the shapeshifter lady in the mines in Star Trek yeah. Six turned into. Yeah. Maybe he was yeah. Chalnoth too. Maybe she was repping Chalnoth. Yeah. He's got knee genitalia. Hey, it's not cool to be in Chalnoth face if you're not Chalnoth. Yeah. Hey, their culture isn't your, like, holiday party or whatever. (laughs) Oh, and if you're going out to a music festival, why don't you leave the Chalnath headdress at home? Yeah. You shouldn't even have it at home. Yeah. Come on. It's 2023. Throw it away and maybe quad box apology immediately thereafter. Kokar hates Mark Twain almost as much as you've been. Yeah, Twaining does not work for these captains. I think that uh, Freeman doesn't really know what to do, and Kokar definitely doesn't know what to do. Why am I wearing this itchy hair hat? Kokar's like, is this your idea of diplomacy? (laughs) (laughs) And Brotherford is like, this is diplomacy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It seems like we may be heading for a diplomatic incident. But um, the gang on the girls' trip arrive at the Boneyard and find a USS Raven-class starship derelict among the pile there. And this is where Tendi and her sister used to hang out as kids. Yeah. And they're, like, looking at, uh, you know, old crayon drawings on the bulkheads and stuff. And Tendi's sister shows up right as Tendi is explaining that this is where she broke the news to Erica that she was going to forsake her training as an assassin, a prime Orion, and go work as a scientist in Starfleet. Tendi uh, made her sister a breakfast of Katerian eggs to soften the blow. Mm. 
Delicious. Meritor sees this knife coming and goes and hides behind a control panel so that it, yeah. it won't get in her. And uh, the knife finds her anyways. It bounces off of a panel and gets right in that same hurl. Oh. Erica is like a ninja. Yeah. She's great. She's got all that prime training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's also got a super cool like black sword with gold inlays. I really like how they look like sisters. Like sisters who have chosen very different haircuts. Yeah, yeah. They definitely look related, Tendi and Erica do. Yeah, and uh, this is going to be a real showdown. Do you think there's a uh, a musician and songwriter on Orion called uh, Dierica Debadu? <laughs> <laughs> Knife lady, you gon' miss your bus. You can't hurry up, cause you got too many blades. So, stab knife into a shoulder. That was the easiest pimp job I've ever had. (laughs) Back in Boimler and Rutherford's quarters, we follow up with Kokar. Yeah, who's for some reason in there with them? Yeah, like, it really feels like Boimler and Rutherford are kind of leading the mission at this point. That's what happens when you get that extra half pip, right? Yeah, I watched this episode twice. Admittedly, I was sick. I didn't understand what was going on at this point. Yeah. Kokar has calmed down through the power of a bonsai. Yeah, how how can a Chalnoth not eat red puck, but they can eat bonsai? Yeah. Yeah, this thing's good as hell. And uh, he washes it down with uh, some of the mister... I have no bonsai, but I must eat. Hmm. I get that reference. (laughs) And he's like, cool, well, thanks for giving me a delicious snack. You're welcome to scan this nebula now. What was in that bonsai? Yeah. Was that like a weed bonsai? I think it was. Yeah, it was a jazz bonsai. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty great. Yeah. I had a a great uncle that was a jazz bone. Sorry. Any requests? Nightbird. Back in the Orion sword fight, it's still happening. Yeah. And uh, in it, Dierica explains that she kidnapped herself to get Tendi to come to her wedding. And this is confusing to me, too, because uh, Tendi was always going to go to the wedding. At least that's what she says here. Well, she wasn't, like, aware of the wedding at the beginning of the episode. It's like that thing where you're caught in a lie and you're like, no, it was... I was always going to do that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is a big misunderstanding between the two of them because Erica interpreted Tendi leaving as dooming Erica to have to like live up to her sister for real by taking on all of the family responsibilities that Tendi left behind, including becoming a super assassin or whatever, which is just part of their culture. It's okay. Yeah. No yeah. judgment. No. Tendi was escaping this life, but also kind of shackling her sister to it. And I think her Mm -hmm, sister mm -hmm. maybe interpreted that as Tendi doesn't give a fuck about her sister. And that was not the message Tendi was trying to send. So I guess that's why Erica thought Tendi like wouldn't have cared about the wedding or wouldn't have come otherwise. Yeah, there's some real like succession shit here between Erica and Tendi. And whose responsibility falls on the eldest girl or whatever. Is that what succession is about? Basically, yeah. 
I don't know why people like that fucking show. <laughs> I love it. Love it so much. Ugh. <laughs> Fuck off! But there's like the familial pressure that is unwelcome and unavoidable here. And without having to dress up as Mark Twain, they're able to make up here in this scene with about two hours to spare before the wedding ceremony. Yeah, but that means they're going to be fucking late and that's no good. So Tendy has to think fast and hop under a panel and hotwire this ship to get them there in time. As they are in flight, Tendy kind of asks Teelin to be a little bit vague about some of the details of Orion culture because Tendy stays embarrassed about all this shit. How about T. Lynn being an enthusiastic proponent of consent? Yeah. She's like, yeah, I'm going to lose these documents completely. T. Lynn does her girl a solid. T. Lynn is cool. Thing is, Tendy, you can't ask to go off the record after the interview. Right. So she's actually lucky she found a reporter giving her that grace. Indeed. I thought the wedding was beautiful, Adam. <sighs> he looks radiant. I liked that Tierica's husband was played by Tim Heidecker. And you're like, wait, wow, that's Tim Heidecker. Cool. And then doesn't have any lines at all the whole time. And you're like, huh. I mean, like, yeah, I know it was, wasn't about him, but like, he's like a very talented comedic performer. It's strange that he had no lines in the whole thing. Sometimes people just want to participate. Yeah. Who's into it? I don't know. He calls me dude a lot. I like how the cartoon style of this show depicts disheveledness. <laughs> like when they emerge from the ship and go to the wedding, like it's neat to see them a little bit ratty. Yeah. Except for Dierica doesn't seem to have really suffered much. Like almost all of the disheveledness has befallen Mariner and Tendi. Teelin yeah. is looking clean cut and uh, and ready to go and and so is the lucky bride you didn't pay attention to t lynn's bangs they're must ben are they must Those are must bangs fuck that's how you know she got fucked up in that landing <laughs> maybe they all threw themselves at the front of the cockpit of the uss raven and protected yeah to erica's look yeah you gotta do that it's your big day Back on the Cerritos, Tendi and Mariner and Tilan show off pictures from their time on Orion. That's fun, right? Yeah. Showing the vacation pictures. Brotherford get a little jealous. Yeah. About this cool trip that the girls got to go on. Hey, Boimler, you can't always be the A story. Yeah. The promotion to Lieutenant Junior Grade has been great for him, but he doesn't seem to be the center of the show anymore, you know? No. Yeah. And I think that's fine. Yeah, I'm into that. Well, uh, we get harpsichord to credits. Brotherford are not allowed to do Mark Twain anymore. Thank fucking God. Are they not allowed to do it anymore, or are they just making cosplay choices? They're banned from Twaining. I said that at the end of the episode. I can't believe that. <laughs> uh, that is really upsetting. That's great. That is good choices by the writing staff of this program who deserve to be paid a fair rate by the AMPTP. You know who will never be banned from doing a Twain impression? Oh, God. Never ever will I be banned. I'm going to talk to Wendy about uh, making that a bylaw here at Uxbridge Shimoda, actually. 
I don't know what percentage of vote she gets. <laughs> I'm going to guess that she's on my side. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Are you on the side of this episode, though, Ben? She'll always bring it home. Yeah, I thought this was a real fun one. I like the girls' trip aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I think that it can be a great thing to go experience another culture as intimately as as through a wedding ceremony. And I've I've been lucky enough to go to wedding ceremonies of many different kinds in my day. And I like the depiction of people that are like, hey, I'm really excited to just get to go see how this is. And so for that reason, I thought it was a great premise. And I think we've both been really curious about the Orions. And I thought they did some great like world building about what Orions are like and some good character development for why Tendi is the way she is without undermining anything from the mm -hmm. other series or undermining anything about Tendi specifically. And I thought it was a really nice story and had tons of good jokes. That third knife in the shoulder, man, like I burst out laughing by myself in my office. <laughs> Got a rule of three is that knife. Oh, oh, come on. My favorite comedy bits have like that pip of truth in them. And I think like one important and interesting thing about Tendi is like how ashamed she is of the details of her life and how when those are made to see the light and her friends are made aware of them, those things that she's ashamed of lose their power over her character in a way that I think is yeah. really instructive. Like she's got friends that want to know her and don't judge her for the things she's embarrassed for. Once they know these things, they appreciate her all the more. And that is a uh, not so subtle message coming from a very funny Star Trek cartoon here. Yeah. And I think that's a great one. So, yeah, it. I like the episode too. And Mark fucking Twain. Boo. Hell yeah. Well, Adam, you want to see if there's anything in the Priority One inbox? Why, I do declare that is. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. There is not. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, we don't have any Priority One messages today. A rare episode of Greatest Trek without any. If you'd like to get a message out of a personal or commercial nature and uh, want to reach a whole lot of friends in DeSoto while doing it, this is a great way to both support a show you really like and also get a message out to a lot of people. So, uh, hey, go get a Priority One message. It's MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Come on! <laughs> Do it! Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself an Edward Larkin? Edward Larkin. I'm going to go Madam G. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I think if you own a murder bug drinking game, you got to be really fucking good at murder bug drinking game. Like, Best yeah. in the biz at murder bug drinking game because it's a murder bug. The stakes are murder. The you know? implication is that neither of these people have ever lost this game. Yeah. Because murder bug. You can't count on there being a Starfleet there to put a rocks glass over the murder bug at the last moment mm -hmm. when 
you fuck up and don't get your force field up. Yeah. So I think Madame G really fucked up by even proposing murder bug drinking game as a way of flexing her cred over Devon Attendee, the prime of house whatever. Oh, sure. Yeah. Whatever that house. Do do we know the name of the house? Atreides. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I think that's my Edward Larkin for this episode. How about yourself? Did you find one? I don't know if I'll ever have this opportunity again, but my Edward Larkin's going to be T. Lynn for throwing the pad out the window. I don't know if we'll ever get an episode where she's as Larkin-y as she is here. Good for her. Good for you, T. Lynn. She had to have been voted Edward Larkin in the one episode where she got booted off the Vulcan ship. I don't remember if she was the one for that episode, but she certainly is here. And also, must bangs. (laughs) Those bangs got must. Yeah. But we must move on to the final segment (laughs) that we do on every... Delightful. Greatest track episode. Uh, this is the Warning Boys segment where we uh, shout out something that delighted us online. You know, people share about our show and it's great because it helps get the word out. But do it in a way where it gives a sense of what this is so that the wrong kind of person doesn't find us and leave us a one-star review, you know? Right. Yeah. You want to attract the good reviews with the honey and then uh, repel the bad reviews with a... Uh, bad type of honey. Prepare a buoy and launch it when ready. Warning buoys. An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. This one is actually a blog entry, and if I'm understanding correctly, it was actually written for a newspaper in London. This is at jamesofwalsh.com, and James of Walsh was at our live show in London and wrote a really nice review of the live show that we are touring right now about Star Trek V. It was just real fun to read through this. I just wanted to highlight uh, a particular paragraph. Despite the occasional cultural difference, no, we don't have guns for salt in Britain. (laughs) The material is universal enough to work. Pranica and Harrison gently mock the bad effects and clunky direction. But when the movie gets it right, it gets it very right. And this pair are very generous and erudite in their praise. I think that that's a really nice way of summing up what our touring show about Star Trek V has sort of become after three times on stage with it. And uh, I'm excited to see what else it becomes as we tour it around because it is a much less structured version of a live show than we've done in the past. And I think all the better for it. Yeah, it's formless in a way that we've never uh, performed before. And like that show in London might have been my favorite live show we've ever done. Yeah. It was big fun. I would not hesitate to call that a career highlight. That was an absolute blast. You gotta come see us on this tour. Yeah. Hey, James Walsh, thank you for writing that really nice piece. Jamesofwalsh.com if you want to read it. Yeah. I actually don't know if the author's name is James Walsh. Maybe it's James of Walsh. Well, that would be weird. Who knows? Uh... (laughs) Want to thank Ryan for being our special guest editor of today's episode? Yeah. Take it away, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Greatest Trek is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica and produced by Wendy Pretty. This episode was edited by Ryan Whedon. Ben and Adam will be back next week to review Season 4, Episode 5 of Star Trek Lower Decks. It's called Empathological Fallacies. 
All of the original music for the show was composed by Adam Ragusea. He has a podcast and a YouTube cooking channel, both of which you can find by searching for Adam Ragusea. Thanks, as always, to Nick Dittmore for creating the show art and to Bill Tilly for managing the at Greatest Trek social media pages on Instagram, Threads, Twitter, and Mastodon. Give those accounts a follow and use the hashtag Greatest Trek when you talk about the show online. We want to say a big thank you to all the Max Fund members who support the show financially. If you'd like to become one, visit MaximumFun.org slash join, where you can sign up and instantly gain access to a ton of bonus content. There are also many ways to support the show for free. Five-star ratings and positive reviews on Apple Podcasts or recommending the show to someone you know are great ways to boost the show's visibility and spread the word. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Greatest Trek. All right, Ben, go to bed, dude. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.